I'm Ed Randall, and you're listening to Baseball and Barbecue. This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Welcome to episode number 52 of Baseball and Barbecue. I am here with my co-host. Jeff Cohen, and you are. Len Aberman. And as always, very excited to welcome you to this episode where it's basically going to be a tale of two Sean's. Yes, Sean and Sean. Yes, so let's explain what we mean by that. We went on the road. On the road. Where'd we go? We went to Foley's. And, and we, we interviewed the proprietor there, Sean Clancy. That's right. Foley's is across from the Empire State Building in New York City. Jeff, what's the address? 18 West 33rd Street. And we interviewed Sean Clancy, this, as you said. This bar is amazing. Bar, restaurant, baseball memorabilia paradise. Yes. They have some other sports, but it's mostly baseball. Right. And if you want to check out some of it, you can go on our YouTube page, because we did did do some video there. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out on YouTube. Look for Baseball and Barbecue, and you will see our video of Foley's. But Actually, it, it's Baseball and BBQ, but that's fine. Baseball and BBQ. But our video does not do it justice. If you are in Manhattan, uh, it is. A, you should make that stop. That is got to be a place you visit. Yes, you, you'll just everything there is just, you 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 pointing. You look at this and bobbleheads, baseballs. Uh, they it, have the bags. They have four thousand baseballs. Yeah. The bags and the trophies were, were carried in the the world championship trophies. Seats from stadiums, jerseys. I mean, just anything that you could imagine, and things you no, you things you can't even imagine. Right, unique stuff. Yeah, very unique. So I mean, even. Going down the steps to go to the bathroom. Yes. Against the walls in cases there's memorabilia. It's an amazing place. Yeah. And then our other Sean is none other than Sean Ludwig, who is the founder of NYC Barbecue, the co-founder of The Smoke Sheet with Ryan Cooper. The man is, if I said a walking encyclopedia of barbecue knowledge, would I be wrong? He knows his barbecue. He Yeah. He, he knows his barbecue. He knows his barbecue. These two publications are fantastic. As we told you, as we you'll hear us say in the interview, if you're not subscribing to both the New York City Barbecue and the Smoke Sheet, what, then, are, you, what are you waiting for? Yeah, Sign what are you up. waiting for? Sign up for those. You're right. So with the tale of two Sean's on this episode. So excited, but. Before we start, yes. I just want to give out the information. Give out the information, and then we're going to do a little Hall of Fame talk. Yes. Give us a call, 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Check us out on our Facebook page. Check out our Instagram. Instagram is baseballandbarbecue, where barbecue is all spelled out. Twitter, at baseballandbbq. YouTube, baseballandbbq. And our web. Website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. 
A lot of ways to get in touch with us, interact with us, send us an email, post something, a comment on our Facebook page. Let's get talking. What's amazing is you did that from memory. Yes. <laughs> That's really amazing. So this week, definitely as far as baseball, there were a couple of things that dominated the news. The first is, of course, uh, the Houston Astros yeah, so, cheating scandal. Right. The second is the Hall of Fame voting. By the way, Jeff and I were guests on Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So if you want to hear a talk with Gary and with Barry Newman as well, we did a whole talk about the Hall of Fame and the Mets and all that. But it was a spirited discussion. Yes, and one of the things, one of the topics that did come up was Derek Jeter and the fact that he <laughs> Derek Jeter did not did well. Was he I, I was he unanimous for the Hall of Fame? No, he wasn't because he missed it by that much. <laughs> so he missed it by that, that much. much. <laughs> Mr. Almost Perfect. Well, all right, let's let's just say that to me it doesn't matter, but the point is we spoke about this on on Mets Musings. When a guy is a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. When it's, you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer all the way from the first right. vote, whatever. So, again, whatever happened in the past with players that didn't get in on the first ballot, with with players that you know had to wait a few years that didn't get unanimous because the player before them didn't get unanimous. My feeling is, if you get that ballot, you can put ten people in, and if that guy's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. Then it's not that he's not a Hall of Famer, and then in five years he becomes a Hall of Famer. If he's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. You know that's how I feel. Not everybody feels that way. I know that. And because that's there what, were people who actually, they're actually voters who voted for a guy last year, did not vote for the same guy this year, right. and, and had space on the ballot to do so. Yeah, so what happened? The person, all of a sudden, they, uh, what, they, they, they got some wins taken away, they got some strikeouts taken away, they got some hits taken away. How could they be a Hall of Famer one year and the next year not? And and not use all 10 of their votes on that ballot. It's just crazy. But I want to know what the listeners think. So please get in touch with the show. 855-516-8214. Comment on our Facebook page. Tweet at us. Uh, send us an email. www. Nope. Wrong. Uh, send us an email. Baseball and BBQ at gmail.com. Yeah, you guys have got to have opinions. Everybody's got opinions on the Hall of Fame. Right. That's that's one thing that uh, opinions on the Hall of Fame are like assholes. Uh, noses. <laughs> noses. Okay, everybody's got one. Right, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so with that, you want to listen to uh, our man Sean Clancy? I certainly do. Let's go to Foley's. Join us as we go to Foley's and we meet Sean Clancy. We are here, baseball and barbecue fans, at one of, no, the number one baseball bar in New York City, and as they say, one of the best sports bars in America, in the world. In the world. I'm going to say in the world, with none other than the owner, Sean Clancy. Sean, thank you very much for being with Baseball and Barbecue. It's my pleasure. You know, Sean, I, I get in touch with him. He doesn't ask how many listeners. He, he just says, what can I do for you guys? Let me do it. 
So we appreciate it. Very welcome. So let's get started right away. Jeff has been here before. I've been here before many okay. times. Love and my love the place. As soon as as soon as he heard that we were doing this, he got really excited. I am, did. I, am I right? Right. I want to ask you why Foley's. Why, why why did you come up with the name Foley's? Well, when I was starting the bar, um, it was very important to me to have an Irish name with a baseball connection. So you know, what I, so basically what happened was. I gathered a group of my buddies together that had been customers of mine when I was a bartender, when I was a manager, and uh, I brought them together, and I, it was actually during the Jets game, and I said, all right, here's the deal. I said, as long as this game goes on, I'm buying the beers, but before we leave, we've got to find a name for this bar, and it has to have an Irish connection. And we bandied around, there were a couple of names that we were looking at. Actually, one of them was McGreevy's, after enough said McGreevy, because he's, he's regarded basically as been the first baseball fan we were couldn't find what we were looking for and the next thing was the door opened and a good friend of mine red foley walked in and someone said what about foley's and i was like so i turned to one of them i said pick up that phone book and look to see if there's a foley's bar in new york city sure well i i should have looked myself because it turned out there was that's why we're foley's and why but we named it after red foley right and you know side story i knew red foley I worked for the Mets in 1984 as an intern, and one of my jobs was going back and forth to the official scorer, Red mm -hmm. Foley, to get the information to the broadcast booth. So, Very nice. Yes, yeah. yes. So, is it true that you didn't start watching baseball till you were a bartender in the 90s? No. Well, watch, watching it might be true. I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up in Ireland. My parents had been married here in New York. Uh, my father worked at Touchures. Um, that's but my, John, right? Yes, that's right. But my father hates baseball. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I've I've tried uh, taking him to many different games. As far as he's concerned, um, baseball stadiums are the largest restaurants he's ever seen because people are everybody's eating and drinking and no one's paying attention to the game. Tried to explain the game to him, didn't help. But he so so like I said, I I, I was born in Ireland, but my parents had a lot of friends who were here. So they'd come home during the summer, and their kids, my kind of like part-time cousins, you could say, they would teach me about, you know, baseball. They would teach me about rock in America. I would reciprocate by teaching them about soccer, and uh, and you too. And uh, so I would read. I was a vociferous reader as a kid, so I would get yearbooks and journals. And I, I mean, I had no idea who these people were. Truth be told, I had. When I was like seven, one of these aunts brought me home a Reggie Jackson t-shirt. I thought he was one of the Jackson Five. I didn't know any better. <coughs> so yeah, Reggie, he sang with Michael and Tito, and so, you know. So I, um, so uh, yeah. So I, I, I knew about the game, right? But I mean, when I came here first in like 1991, I probably say I'd never seen a game live. And I'd probably just seen like we would get. It was weird. You would get to see this week in baseball, right? But you know, Mel Allen. Mel Allen. Yeah. How about right. that? So yeah, the first game I ever went to was uh, September first, nineteen ninety-one at Yankee Stadium. And, and you I remember it? In, oh yeah, I, I fell in love with. I fell in love with the game for a number of reasons. I love the fact that I love the history of the game. I love how the fact that the game is constantly folding in on itself, so that you know, like. You know, like you can't listen to a game or watch a game 
without the talking about guys that I mean, are dead or haven't played in forever. You know, mm -hmm. that's the beauty. So it's the history. It's the history of the game. It's history. And you know, I mean, to be honest, it's the one game where, like, I always maintain, if you take the four main sports and if you take the four main sports and uh, that are played here, and take the greatest that played those games, like. They can't come back now and play because again, like hockey players are so much bigger, football players are so much bigger, basketball players are so much bigger. But I mean, you know, you have little guys or heavy guys, you know. Anybody can play. Right. Precisely. If you I mean yeah. that's the beauty of the game, and it, you know, and also you bring Babe Root back tomorrow. You know, he can still hit a round ball with a round stick. Yeah, look at the, the Mets had a player, uh, Big Sexy. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, size doesn't matter. Right. When you, you, know, when you well, saw him pitch, and you, you couldn't believe that he but yet he could. So. That's well, the best of the hola was. David Wells had the best line of the hola with that. And, you know, and the, all the, he says you can't pull fat. So you fell in love with baseball, and you're a big Yankee fan. No, I fell, I, well, I fell in love with baseball, and I was a big Yankee fan. And, and I preface that by saying that I have so many friends now throughout baseball. I mean, I still love the Yankees, but I love when I see... You know when when you know friends of mine you know when they get to you know i mean there's i get to kind of experience it through them i mean i've been lucky enough so i've probably been to a hundred hundred world series games and wow that's great probably about 15 different stadiums because it's always different to see how 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 different cities react and to be honest with you there's nowhere in america that reacts to like a big game like new york I mean, there's an excitement in the city, you know. And, sure. You know, listen to the radio, and the, you know the, the the guys who know nothing about sports are talking about the, whether it's the Mets or the Yankees. I mean, I was in Houston. Can't really talk about Houston, but the first time they played in '05, I mean, you wouldn't have even known that there was a big game being played. You know, yeah. so you know. But so now I I have to be a little bit like Switzerland. So I root <laughs> for the guys. Right. It'd be easier to say there are certain teams that uh, I don't root for, but then again. No one roots for the Astros anymore, so, you know. So, right, which brings you know. us to the next topic, is what do you think about this whole cheating scandal? You know, I mean, sign stealing has been a part of baseball for as long as there's been, I mean, you know, for, forever. I mean, there have been stories about the scoreboard at Wrigley Field. There have been stories about the scoreboard at Fenway. I mean, you know, they talked about, I mean, one of the most famous balls ever hit, the Bobby Thompson's, they said that they were, the Giants are the guy in center field, but right. I mean, stealing signs is gamesmanship. But when you're using electronics, to right. then no, I'm, you know, I mean, I've known about this thing going on for, the, for probably since 17, and I can't tell you how many conversations were had here. You know, and I, I like to say what happens if Foley stays at Foley's, but you know, there were conversations had with guys that were in the know, and you know, they, they, they've all known. They just haven't known how they were getting away with it. So, how, how do I feel? I'm like, I, I don't feel sorry for any of the parties involved because you know what, we're all guilty. You know, I mean, I think uh, it's not over yet because they're still investigating the Red Sox. You know, I mean, I, I mean, do I feel bad? I feel bad for for AJ Hinch because I think uh, he knew what was going on. But I, I, I think in '17, he, I think Alex Cora and Beltran were the, the ringleaders, and I think it was a case of, you know, he he left it alone. 
So and and he said it in his, he said it in his uh, press conference. He said, you know what? I knew it was going on. I didn't stop it. You know, there are stories that he came to blows, and there was there were different pieces of equipment that were broken in the Astros clubhouse because he didn't like what was going on. You know, I mean Beltran. I mean. Only the Mets can. Uh, have, you know, exactly. Only around. the Mets. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, it's. I mean, truthfully, I'll be honest with you. I actually predicted this, but I said that Beltran would never manage a game for the Mets. I mean, the guys. You know, I mean, the sad part of this is probably it's going to now affect. You know, I mean, he was a borderline Hall of Famer. I mean, it, yeah, that could, have, it could. You know, that could certainly could could have. You know, I I think it's a little. Um, some of these players that are coming out now, and you know, like like Logan Morrison, and came out and said, "Oh, the Yankees have been stealing signs for years. That's gamesmanship." Tim Flannery had a, had a great post on Facebook, and he's like, "Boy, did I get out in time?" He's like, "Listen, I was in the game for 30 years." He's like, "I studied their third base coach." He said, "I have thousands of hours of every third base coach that came through." You know, um, there was a great story this week that Bobby Valentine had a camera yeah. on the third base coach, and when Steve Phillips found out, he self-reported it to right. to Bud Selig. So, I mean, the sad part is is that it's going to take a while for this to go away. But I think this is no different than the steroids. I don't think it. I don't I, because let's put it this way: with all the electronics and everything that we have they're going to find a way around it but I mean it brings in the bigger picture now because Major League Baseball's in bed with with, with uh, the casinos now so I mean exactly. they, they can't be happy if somebody is controlling the outcomes of these games I mean because you're turning baseball into wrestling you know so I mean it's I, I can see where Manfred Manfred's trying to nip it in the bud because if he doesn't it's going to come back on him because he's known about this for two years and done nothing about it. He's known since 18, you know. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, when Mike, and it's kind of weird, like Mike Fires is going to, he's the next Jose Canseco. I mean, exactly, right? You know, everyone and laughed. he's still playing. Everyone laughed at Canseco when Canseco came out and said what he said, but right. Canseco changed the game, and you know what? Mike Fires has too. And, and you know what? That's the, the strange thing is, is that it's like, well, you know, how, how come these guys don't go elsewhere? Because a lot of teams are doing it, maybe just not to the same extent. Let me get back to the bar, talk to you about it. About it. When you come into this bar, you'll see how many thousands of these signed baseballs. They are amazing. Each one's labeled, tell you who it is. If there was a, 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 an event that's, that's, that's attached to it, like a perfect game, what got you started? Was it the baseball the first or was the other memorabilia in this place? The first baseball that I actually got signed, believe it or not, was Joe McEwing. Joe McEwing. Yeah. And, Super uh, Joe. Super Joe. Joe's a good buddy of mine. And in fact, I was texting with him this morning. The, the ironic thing was the first baseball he signed, he actually didn't sign it to me. He signed it to my son. But, I mean, how the collection got started is actually kind of strange because... So I took over 16 years ago. Sixth-generation bar owner. So I, I knew... I had, a, I had a dream to open my own bar, but... I didn't, I mean, it wasn't to do what, what Foley's has become. I wanted to open a bar um, where, and, you know, be known for friendly service and a good time and good food, you know, and, like, the memorabilia came way after that. And it happened that the girl I was dating, I started dating this girl, and 
my bedroom at that stage probably looked like a teenager's. I had pictures on the walls and stuff like that. And one day she's like, you know, I was trying to get her to move in. And she's like, well, you're going to have to take down all that sports stuff. And she's like, why don't you bring it in and put up a Foley's? And that's truly how it started. So, you know, there were five or six pictures that went up on the wall. And I think when I brought the baseballs in first, I had seven. And now we just have just over 4,000. But then we have a lot of other stuff. I mean, I, I love the collection. It's eclectic. It's mine. You know, it's. I've never. I don't buy that much. The only time I buy stuff is uh, for charity. Right. So last weekend I was in LA for the Scouts dinner, and uh, I picked up. A, I picked up. I, I like unusual pieces. So like a couple of the pieces I picked up last week, I got a Magic Johnson signed signed bat. Okay. No, I mean, how many bats did he sign? I mean, he's probably signed a gazillion basketballs. But the, one of the cool pieces, actually, uh, and I will have it this week, is when Roy Campanella uh, had his car accident, he was paralyzed. So he couldn't, he could, I mean, he couldn't move, no use of his arms and legs, so he right. couldn't write. Right. But over, I mean, he went through decades of physical therapy, and he was able to regain a certain amount of uh, use of his hand. But he still couldn't sign the baseball because it was curved. So what they did was they took the panel off the baseball and he was able to sign the panel, but they never actually put the panel back onto the baseball. And one of the pieces I bought is actually, it's a collage that includes the panel off the baseball that he signed, which is a little bit different. I mean, it's a, I, you know, I mean, I'm not, in, you know, I mean, I have... Like I said, it's eclectic. I have unusual stuff, you know. You do. This place is and I, and I, I get a lot of... I, I love when people enjoy the collection. I mean, that's... I can't tell you how many times someone comes in and say, you know, I'm a bit of a collector myself. And I'm like... And, I, you know, you ask them what their favorite piece is. And, and you know, wh where is it? And he's like, oh, well, you know, it's in a safety deposit box or it's in a box under my bed. I'm like, no one goes... What's the point? No one's going to get to appreciate it. We, I have a customer who has... They came out about 15 years ago. There's a book called Goat... It's a Muhammad Ali book, and there's only like 50 of them made. They're like $10,000 a piece. And this guy has the book in a box under his bed. I said, no one sees it. I said to him, I said, bring it in here. I'll put it in the display case. I'll insure it for you. Mm -hmm. I, had, that's, I enjoy people that enjoy coming in, and that's why we don't, as a rule, have uh, a lot of the baseballs in any kind of order. Uh -huh. Because it's to, if, it, if they're in order, people will glance past them. So, right. you know, we have the... We have the politicians next to the porn stars, next to the astronauts. You know, the, actually, the only one that's kind of out on its own is I do have a baseball signed by Pope John Paul II. Wow. So, so he's he's a bona fide saint. So as I like to tell people, I've got one baseball signed by a saint and four thousand signed by sinners. <laughs> well, here's. <laughs> uh. I was going to ask him a question, and then, and then that, that... One of the most unusual items I've seen, and I've been in this bar several times, I just noticed those Tiffany bags that held the trophies. Right, and the gloves. And the gloves. The How did gloves. you come about those? Well, the funny thing is, is that I, I happened to be talking to a friend of mine that worked in uh, baseball, and he was, one of his jobs was, he was the guy... Sorry, let, let me take this back a step further. I did an event with NASCAR. So obviously, when I started off first, I was, you know, you're you're trying to generate business. You're trying to generate. 
you know, so I, you know, NASCAR is the biggest watch sport. Sure. In the world. So I figure, you know what, I, I'm going to be a NASCAR bar. And I mean, I have 18 TVs. I mean, the game, the, the the races are on a Sunday afternoon, you know, so it's not interfering with anything. So I'd let it be known I was an Ascar bar, and I I spent probably like three or four years knocking on doors, trying to make inroads into the NASCAR scene, and finally I get we host an event. The last time that they had Champions Week in New York, I host an event. Jimmy Johnson's here. He's he meets the media. So they bring the Sprint Cup. So the sprint cup comes in a box, and the guy I have to sign for it. And the guy gives me a pair of gloves. He's like, "You're the only one who's allowed to touch the cup. You have to use these gloves." So I open it up, and it's in a Tiffany bag. So I'm, you know, I'm telling everybody about this, you know. So I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and he's like, "Well, I, yeah." He said, "I know all about it." He said, "He said I had the keys that could open that case." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, he said like Tiffany makes the trophies for every single sport." except hockey, because obviously the Stanley Cup's been around forever. So he said, yeah, he said, and all the trophies come in the, in the, the box that has the same lock. So he said, every year we get a new World Series trophy. They actually make two. Every year they make two trophies. One of, Tiffany keeps one of them, and the team gets the other one. Uh, there has been a team recently that lost their World Series, but they won't tell me what team it was. I have my doubts, I have my suspicions. So, and I said, so what do you do with the, the blue bag? I said, you know, I said, I don't really do anything with them. I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, what I used to do is what, he said, I'd wait. He said, because you obviously have All-Star Trophy, the MVP Trophy, and the um, the World Series Trophy, and then you have the, the you also have the MVP for the All-Star Game and the All-Star Trophy. So he said, I wait till I have four of them, and I would give them to friends of mine, and they make like novelty pillowcases because it's got the Tiffany logo on it. I said, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love one of those. He said, sure. So... The first year that the Giants won the World Series was the first year that he said, uh, he said, Sean, I'm going to get it for you. So he's taking the, the trophy out of the bag in the locker room, they're spraying champagne, and he's folding up the bag, putting it in his pocket to give to me. And Brian Wilson, the knucklehead really closer they have with the big long beard, he sees this, he rips the bag out of it, he's wearing it on his head. He says, Sean, the next time I look, it was on the ground, he's like, it, was, it wasn't blue anymore, it was black. So I put the hex on Brian Wilson. So the fact that his career, the fact that his career went south after that, I'm taking credit for that. So, so what happened was then, subsequent years, he was able to get me a couple of them. So I put them up. I thought these were the coolest things ever. And then another friend of mine comes in and works at the ME. He says, um, he says, you want them bags? I said, yeah, I love them bags. I said, I, I, I'll get you a couple. He said, I do the same thing for the NBA. Wow. So then I got when they, when they, um, I have the one that held LeBron's first second finals MVP and I also have the one that held the Golden State Warriors first championship that's the one that has the gloves so I had just gotten that and I just put it up and actually bringing it back to Joe McEwing so the White Sox are in town and Joe stops by and there were three players young kids that are just September call-ups didn't know what to do Joe had taken them under wings Joe to bring some here well one of them is Trace Thompson who okay. is Clay Thompson's brother? Right. So I said to Trace, I said, "Here, let me. We take down the bag. I said, let's take a picture of this. So you can send it to your brother and say you got to touch something that he's never going to get to touch." <laughs> so that's how they came about. So, but that's part part of the things. I I like the unusual stuff. Like I have a collection of corks from different celebrations. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's from the champagne bottles. From the champagne bottles from all the different years. Uh, I actually have a bottle that came from the, the Yankee celebration when they won in 09. 
and a buddy of mine who worked with the Yankees, I had asked him to get me a cork. And uh, so he came down here afterwards. He brought all the scouts down here. And he's, he gave me the, he says here, he said, I couldn't wait for him to take the cork out of the bottle, so I just brought you. I mean, it was still cold when I got it. <laughs> you know, so Thank I you. have. You have the uh, copy of the Mitchell Report. I have a copy of the Mitchell Report signed by George Mitchell. And then you have, uh, I saw this on your website, diagram of A-Rod's hip surgery, yes. that the doctor did That's, a diagram here. Yeah, uh, not here, at the press conference. So okay. when they, when they, it's, uh, and it's, it's kind of funny because truthfully, I have shown this to everybody, including doctors who can't make head or tail of it, but one of my, Foley's is a home for a lot of baseball people, and one of them is a writer who was at the press conference, and you know, the doctor's up there and he's talking about you know, parts of the body that we've never heard of. My buddy corners the surgeon on his way and he says, look, I'm having trouble trying to figure out what you said. The surgeon takes his, his uh, pad and he starts drawing this like diagram in hieroglyphics of exactly what they need to do with A-Rod surgery. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes out to me and says, hey, do you want this? I'm like, sure, I want that. So <laughs> I laminated it and I put it on the wall. Wow. Let me, uh, let me ask you, how did you... This is also fully the home of the Irish-American Baseball Hall of Fame. You have the wall dedicated, and you have all the uh, plaques up there of the people inducted. Tug McGraw, uh, Ralph Kiner, Casey Stengel. How did that get started, and how did it get nominated to be uh, I, how, how it got started was my trips to Cooperstown. And I'd love to go to Cooperstown. Uh, you know, and you walk through the halls of Cooperstown, and you see all the plaques for all the older Hall of Famers, you know, and you have the Duffys and the Kellys and the, you know, the, the Galvins and all, all these Irish names, and you see that the history that the Irish had in the game, you know, and but it's kind of gone away from that. And I'm like, well, you know what? There's so many Irish people that are involved with the game who don't get the recognition. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about players that don't get the recognition that they want. And I'm like, you know what? We can do something to kind of highlight these guys. Mm-hmm. So. I am the president of the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame, and actually that's kind of funny because, like, it's weird. I'll go places and I'll get introduced as the president of the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame. I named myself the president of the Irish Baseball Hall of Fame, and nobody has ever questioned. You know, they've never asked me if there was an election or, you know, if there if there was, you know, if there were debates or if there was a, you know, a, a vote off. And uh, but it's about honoring. Honoring the you know the guys who've made a contribution. So yes, we have some players in there, but we also have broadcasters, we have scouts, right. we have executives. You know anybody. Basically, there are three criteria to get into the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame. Obviously, connection to Ireland, connection to baseball, and what we try to do is we try to honor the good guys. You know, Great. so we've had clubhouse guys, we've had uh-huh. umpires. I saw Pete Flynn's up there. Pete, the, uh, Pete, Flynn, Pete was in the first class. Pete was a good friend of mine. Uh-huh. Pete, sadly, Pete was one of the you know the man who died way too young. But Pete was Pete was quite a character and just so unassuming. And you know, I used to I used to to joke with Pete. I said, you know, I said Pete, I said the the only Irish guys that have seen more baseball games than me is you and Connie Mack. Right, Pete Flynn. He drove the Beatles in 1964, <laughs> and he drove the, them at the and, last game. Right, and 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 the Paul McCartney in 2008. Yeah, so Pete, yeah that, that's, uh, that's. Actually, uh, they, uh, Pete was a. Uh, I heard a great story recently about Pete. Pete was a fanatical, fanatical Jets fan, mm-hmm. and there was a guy that was on the '86 Mets team who would torture Pete about the Jets and how bad the Jets were. 
So Pete's office at, at, at Shea was right behind home plate. So Pete's in his office one day, and uh, he sends he sends for this guy. And the guy walks into the office and says, Pete, what, what, what? You want to talk about how your jets suck? <laughs> and as the guy said that, Pete's, the door of Pete's office closed and standing behind the door is Joe Tlecko and Mark Gastelman. <laughs> <laughs> this guy said, I nearly <laughs> shot. Uh, That's very fun. Yeah, I've been happy stage. Yeah. One, one more question on the baseball American, uh, Irish American Hall of Fame. You ever get any old timers from Brooklyn that come in here and say, oh, that Walter O'Malley broke my heart? You ever get any of that? You know what? I, I But see, here's the thing. I used to, here, here's the bizarre thing. So there were two teams that left New York. Right. You know, I don't know if the Giants fans realize that the Giants have left New York. Because <laughs> right. I've, I've, I have never really met a, a disgruntled Giants fan. Right. No one's saying that for you know? Stone. Or Stoneham. No, 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 I mean, you know, I mean, it's all about the it's right. right. It's all but the thing about it is, is that, you know what, I, I don't, I never got, and I was never lucky enough to meet Walter, but Peter O'Malley is a good friend of mine. And the man is a consummate gentleman. And I mean, the fact of it is, is that now, in hindsight, and now that history is, you know, when we've gotten all the facts, we now know that it wasn't their fault, that it was actually Robert Moses, Robert Moses yeah, sure. right. you know. And, and the ironic thing is, like, Peter Malley wanted to build a new ballpark. Mm-hmm. Do you know where he wanted to build right a new ballpark? Center is. So, I mean, he was ahead of the curve on that yeah. one. And, you know, yes, we've gotten that, but you know what? You know, and I've heard the stories about the, the you know, the, the Dodgers broke my heart and yada. But, you know, I mean, we put both of the men, and I expected to get like, you know, some kind of backlash. But I was loaded for bear. I had all the answers to all the questions. Mm-hmm. But you know, they are they are such a classy family. And I mean, Peter, when the Dodgers moved out of Vero Beach, but he has they they still have Vero Beach, and they have turned it into like a baseball city. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, they're doing they're they're doing a wonderful job on on read. And actually, Peter's kids and his sister Terry's kids own the Padres. Oh, okay. So they've stayed in baseball, but they're one of the. the, the and he's a wonderful man. I, I thought, I, I, you know what? Like, I, a lot of times I kind of have to pinch myself. I'm like, because I'm, I'm like, I'm the, you know, not little, but I'm the little Irish guy that came here, you know, in 1991, and to to be able to count whether it's Peter O'Malley or Bill Madden or Joe McEwing or David Wright as friends it's just like it's, it doesn't it's kind of like a little bit surreal right but you know I mean but that's a great thing about wonderful baseball life. though it is a wonderful life and I'm like it's uh, you know and I that's why I give back as much as I can which is the most one of the most important things that for me is that I've been very lucky and baseball you know the old cliche baseball's been very good to me and I give back you know like I said I was I was supporting the scouts last week I'll be supporting the scouts in uh, Long Island at their dinner next week. And uh, I'm one of the major sponsors for the umpires' golf tournament that happens this week as well. Well, you had uh, you had Jeff Idelson and Gene Fruth here with Grassroots Baseball. And we had, the, we had the privilege of having them on because they were here and somebody saw them here and said, could you come on the podcast? So uh, you did that for Grassroots Baseball. So, yeah, you... you you it's all about giving back. I mean, you know what? It's it's you know, and and if you can get, if you know, if we all do a little, we can all help, and that's why we try to, you know, we do stuff like that, and you know, we raise a lot of money that night, and you know, like I'm here 16 years, and I think in the 16 years, I, the last 
tally we had was we probably helped to raise or been involved in raising over $600,000 for a whole slew of different charities. I mean, I couldn't even list all of the charities we've been involved in, but, you know, and that's just, I mean, just try to help the people that are less fortunate. Now, you name, uh, you, I, I noticed on the menu, you name burgers after people and events, and how, tell me, uh, how, how do we get a burger named after us? Well, we can, we can definitely work something like that, because actually, to be honest with you, we, we started this a couple of years ago with the, with the uh, lady that handles my social media. She said, hey, you know, we could, we could do this. And we have, we have menu items that are named after players. Like David Wright's got a sandwich that has probably raised, definitely raised over $10,000 for his charity. Wow. You know, and uh, so people are like, would say, you know, well, how do we get something on the menu? So what we did was we started to do uh, with the stuffed burgers. And we have, you know, every week we have a stuffed burger. This week we're we we have a we're doing it. I want you know I, you see what's going on in Australia and, and like yeah. what we want. So we have so basically you know everybody sees. So basically it's like hey you know what you come in you order your your down on the burger and we're the money that's you, the money that you pay me is going to help the people in Australia. Um, so what we're doing this year is for a fifty dollar donation to a charity that you know you can have. Your bur- uh, you, you know, you you tell us what your burger is, and you know whether oh. it be well barbecue yeah. and baseball, whatever it might be. <laughs> cool. You know, I guess yours would have to be barbecue, but we do have a couple of barbecued uh, barbecue. Uh, bur- we actually have a funny enough. So last year we did a promotion with Jack Daniels, and uh, I said, let me see if I can come up with it. So I came up with a with a uh, a burger that features all of the Jack Daniels. The, uh, the honey, the fire, and the regular Jack Daniels. And I, it was so popular that it actually went onto our menu. So. Great. So. Have you ever had a player come in and I, 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 we go all over the topics here, uh, all over the place, but I'm looking at all the balls. Have you ever had a player or somebody that you asked them for an autograph and they tried to charge you for it? Uh, not tried to charge me. I, I have had, in here, not so much. I've had a lot of guys that have said no, and I respect that. This is all right. I mean, there's there's so many people out there that are getting, you know, there's they're getting screwed over with, you know, like, you know, like a guy comes in and he signs a baseball, and the next thing is it's on eBay for a hundred bucks or something like that. You know, I had some bad luck with Robin Roberts, believe it or not. I kept I kept running into Robin Roberts at the wrong time because I think he turned me down about four times. And actually, the funny thing was. He turned me down three years in a row at the bat dinner, and I said, you're oh, wearing the hat. Yeah. But in here, like, another guy who doesn't sign is George Brett. And I'd run into him at different events, and every time he said no. And then he came here, and the guy, he's looking all around, he says, I, I don't see anything signed by me. I'm like, George, <laughs> you know, I said, I've effing asked you four times, and you said no. Uh, one guy that then, you see, sometimes what'll happen is, we have everybody sign baseballs, because... Um, for a number of reasons, there's a certain continuity to it. Also, I think that, like, like I was just saying about Magic Johnson signed the bat. Right. I mean, a Magic Johnson signed basketball. They're a dime a dozen. You know. Right. Um, so I tried to get everybody. You know, and Warren Sapp wouldn't sign the. He said he'd only sign a football. And I said, oh, I want you to sign a football. You know. And he said, Well, why not? And I said, Well, how many footballs have you signed in your life? And he's like. You know, it's like thousands. There's so many baseballs. I've never signed a baseball. So there you go. I said, but the other reason is, is that a football is so much bigger than a baseball. It's so hard to store. I said, it's all right. And it turned out that I had just gotten a, 
and John Richardson signed jersey from the Jets. I'm like, all right, John Richardson signed it. So once I heard that, he was like, oh, you know, I'm t- okay, I'll sign it for you. You know, and recently. Uh, the, the Islander Hall of Famers were doing a, th- a, a, a signing and uh, so I had somebody that was going there and I said listen if you can get them to sign baseballs for me Dennis Pop fan and a couple refused to sign baseballs so I'm like you know, which is their right you know so but never been asked I've never been asked for money but in, in some cases though what, if someone if, if I feel that it could be an issue I'll say listen I'm going to make it's, I'll make a donation whatever charity you want let, let me ask you, bars named Foley's, but there are certain occasions where you rename the bar. Yes. We have, uh, I think, last count, I think we've renamed it four times. I renamed it Chipper's when, when Chipper retired. Uh, I mean, partly because, I mean, uh, I, I did know Chipper. I had a good relationship with, I have a, had a wonderful relationship with the last three Braves managers. Brian Snicker has his own urinal here. Okay. Freddie Gonzalez, I knew Freddie, went, and Bobby Cox is just a true gent, and I, I'm honored to say that he's a friend of mine. And uh, so we decided to, you know, pay homage to Chipper, and you know, maybe to a lesser extent, fuck with the Mets fans. But I mean, even if you're, I mean, you know, they said, oh, well, you know, Chipper Jones, he killed the Mets. I'm like, you know, he's not even in the same category as um, who's the uh, Pirates guy. Uh, Jeff, you should have No, no, no. The, from the we are the '79 team. Oh, oh, uh, Stargell. Stargell. Okay. annihilated him. Right. I mean, you look at his numbers. So we did it for we did it for uh, Chipper, we did it for Mariano, right. and we did it for who else? We, we also did it for with David Wright, and we also did it for Wally Bell, the umpire, when he passed away. So it's just kind of a. It's it's the next step up from them and the burger after it's just like a tip of the cap. I mean David David's first night in New York. Actually we're back to Joe McEwing again. Joe brought David here and, and I that 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 might have been my first mind blown experience. Because at the time I mean you know what sports talk radio is like here and all you hear about is you know, it's like when we listen to the Peter Alonso stuff, when we listen to, you know, the, the, the teams and the, they, they hype up their minor leagues. So, I mean, David Wright was the promised child. I mean, he was the next coming, you know. And I look up and here he is sitting in my restaurant. I was just like, with, you know, so, so that's my first night in New York. I met David his entire career. And he called me up and he's like, hey, I'm coming to Foley's for his last night. And he did. And we had, it, it, you know, if, if I had to pick the top five nights in the history of Foley's, that will definitely be one of them, without a doubt. Uh, class act. You know, and it's, it's sad when, you know, I would say it's sad when you see anybody, athlete or, you know, when they don't get to go out on their own terms. And that was, you know, when it's, you know, and Jeremy Hefner, the new pitching coach, another right. friend of mine, same thing. You know, yeah, and he, he and pitching, absolutely. You know, I mean, he should. And, he, and you know what? The sad part is, such a good guy. I mean, he's the first battle Hall of Famer in the in the in the Hall of Good Guys, you know. So so that's that's uh, you know. And again, it's only, it's only it's it's not a big deal at the end of the day. But it's like you know, we basically we we named the place. We named after we had T-shirts made up, and we and all the money for the T-shirts went to uh, David Sharp. Well, actually, the Ronald McDonald House. And we split it between the Ronald McDonald House in Queens and the one by his house in uh, in Virginia. But we have no plans. I don't know the, when the next time is we will do it, you know. But hopefully we don't do it for somebody that passes away. But 
You're not going to name it after Derek Jeter? Not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Wow. Now, if we were real investigative reporters, I would say, well, just but, like, you know, but he said, leave it, we leave we it. Leave it. <laughs> you have a sign up there, no Danny Boy song. Danny Boy is, is... Danny Boy was a very interesting lesson in how the media works in America. Okay. And it basically taught me that sometimes I need to keep my big mouth shut, i.e. Derek Jeter. Uh, <laughs> so I made a flippant off-the-cuff remark, uh-huh. uh, but I happened to be in the company of an AP writer when I did it. Uh, basically, it became a phenomenon that was seen by 500 million people the world over. And I mean, played a part, I guess, in putting Foley's on the map. It, 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 I won't say put us on the map, but it made people aware of us. And it literally was... I'd had a fight with Guinness. Guinness had come back to me and they're like, we, we want you back. And I said, that's just, I was right around St. Patrick's Day. I said, that's just what I need. They wanted to have a party, bring in a karaoke machine. And, and I said, that's just what I need. I said, there's six million drunken guys singing Danny Boy. And uh, so that's how it started. And then I, I'm probably right now might be one of the greatest living I might have the, the most knowledge that there is on authority, the greatest living authority on Danny Boy. Because believe me, I, there's nothing I don't know about that song at this stage. And, but uh, yeah, it was a huge story. It was a huge story here. It was a huge story in Ireland. I think the, uh, you know, one guy tried to have me deported, which was interesting considering I'm a citizen. And he was in Australia. He was trying to get me deported from here. But the, it, it, uh, it got a certain... Uh, my kids thought it was so cool because there was a... Sean Clancy website oh, and they just thought this was just the best that really? I, was like, I, was like, I had arrived <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and that's, but that was basically what it was it was just like I made an off the cuff remark and, and what happened was like I said my lesson on how the media works was it mm. happened to be the day after uh, the, one of the big days in the, uh, actually it's coming up now it's mm-hmm. Black Tuesday the day after all the debates Okay. so everybody's like politicked out so they want something that's not politics and the funny thing is when the when the calendar changes to march 1st every news outlet every newspaper they want an irish story mm-hmm. and right. i gave it to them oh, yeah. and it just kept going because it was a huge story here and then it died down here and then because it was such a huge story here it got picked up in europe and then when it got picked up in europe then it got it, so it literally went i think it literally went for two weeks and I think by the time it was over, I had done 170 interviews uh-huh. in 27 countries. Wow! We and like I said, we have we have like definitive proof, uh-huh. like uh, of how many people saw the story, and it was 500 million people. Wow! So if I could just get all 500 million people to come and buy a beer, <laughs> I'd be very happy. That'd be great. <laughs> Got to ask you because we're baseball and barbecue. If I'm in Ireland and it's a summer day. What's a barbecue like in Ireland? Well, the, the key, the, the most important factor in a barbecue in Ireland is speed. Because the chances are it can be a summer's day in Ireland, but you're only 20 minutes away from it raining. Okay. You know, so, so, you're, so you're not doing low and slow? No, you're not doing low and slow. You're not going to, you know, a smoker is something different in Ireland than it is here, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, but I mean, the, the thing is, we, we didn't grow up. You know, with bar- barbecue wasn't something as a kid growing up. I mean, 
you know, I, I mean, the closest I ever got was you go to McDonald's and they had barbecue sauce for the nuggets. That was about it, you know. Or, uh, you know, you might literally be, I think I can, my first ever, the closest I ever come to barbecue was, you know, maybe being in the scouts and we would have a big fire and you're cooking sausages on a stick over this fire. But of course, the thing with that is like normally 50% of the guys burnt the outsides, the insides weren't cooked and they got sick. But now, I mean, it's like everything else, everything that happens here makes its way over there. Right. You know, so now, uh, a barbecue in Ireland, will, well, it, it's not to the same extent that it is here, but you're going to feature, we don't do hot dogs, so you won't get hot, but you will get Irish sausages, which are a little bit different than what would you, you'd have here, and you're going to get your burgers, and uh, that's what the last time actually I noticed was, like my sisters now all have barbecues, which probably wouldn't have been the case, but you go to the local butcher and he literally has everything you can buy like a, a barbecue pack and there'll be a couple of kebabs in there and you know your your obviously your steaks and stuff like that i did learn an important lesson though is that one one meat which is we eat a lot of in ireland that does not go well on barbecue is lamb there was so much flames off lamb in the barbecue i'm like you need to be a, an, a you know a part-time fireman because it's not good but you know we make up for it here, though. I mean, bar- barbecue, obviously, barbecue here is, you know, we. I, I have a place in Florida, and I, I'm exploring a little bit at the minute, and there's a, a place uh, in Ozona called the Ozona Pig, and you would walk past this place a hundred times without it ever even darkening the store, and someone said, you have got to go in. I'm like, why am I going in? I'm like, they're like, I'm the greatest barbecue place we're ever in, so uh, I ate there on Tuesday, we got my girlfriend and I we ordered one entree between us we weren't able to finish it we had it twice and I'm still full (laughs) well one of the things I do is obviously St. Patty's Day is coming up Uh, before we know it it'll be here like to get corned beef when it's on sale take the corned beef get all of the salt out smoke it and make pastrami so I, I, I hope this isn't going to disappoint you, but you should know that corned beef is an Irish. Oh, oh, that, that. I never, I never, wow. I never I did, that's, okay. tasted corned beef. I never had wow. corned beef. Like, you guys know corned beef till I came to America. We, in Ireland, if they, they have corned beef, if you ask an Irish person that's like never been here what corned beef is, it's basically sandwich meat. It comes out of a tin and it looks like shoe leather. So it's like a cross between like spam and, you know, that's corned beef. So in Ireland, we don't have corned beef. We have ham. That's, but corned beef is an American, it's an American, it's, now, it's been adopted by the Irish and why that happened was when they came here first, let's go back to the 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it might be, it was the cheapest cut of meat. So it was, that's how it became, like the, the poorest people, that became their staple. Plus, like, they, it's changed now, but back in the day, the, the Irish, how you, how you cooked anything in Ireland was, you put it into a saucepan, and you boil the shite out of it. And that's basically what you would call beef. It's, you know, you boil it forever. Right. So, so it's so funny, because we associate 
corned beef. I mean, St. Patty's Day is the biggest thing, right? Everybody having their corned beef. Oh, without that, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's so it's an Irish American dish, right? Same way as you don't get meatloaf or you don't get meatballs in Italy, right? And you know, you won't get tacos in, in Mexico. Right. So, exactly. it's, right. you know, so. Right. so it's very American. That's interesting. You know? The name of the bar is Foley's, across the street from the Empire State Building. If you're in New York, the must stop. You have to come here. You love baseball, the great restaurant, love the memorabilia. Make sure you come here. John, we thank you for your time. We took too much of it, and we appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you so My much. absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, let's go Foley's. Let's go. <laughs> So, Len, Foley's is definitely one of my favorite places to go in New York City. It is mine now, too. Great place. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Very interesting guy. He came here from uh, Ireland and opened a bar. Now he knows, like, everybody in the world of baseball. Right. Yeah. yeah we started a podcast. We don't know everybody. We know a few people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he opened a bar. I mean, how many baseballs? I can't believe that. Are... Over 4,000. Yeah. Signed by Hall of Famers, uh, you know. Regular baseball people and uh, celebrities, celebrities, right? Uh, broadcasters, you know, anybody, you know, it's just. But we didn't sign a ball no, yet. No, we did not, not yet. But that'll come. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Famous podcasters will sign a ball eventually. So if you're if you're in New York area, or you're planning to come to New York, Foley's is the place to go. Check that out. So that was Sean One. That's Sean One. Yes. Ready for Sean Two? Sean Two. Sean Ludwig. Sean Ludwig, as we said at the beginning of the show, founder of NYC Barbecue, co-founder of The Smoke Sheet, and with uh, with his friend Ryan Cooper, had a ton of stuff to say, um, and I can't wait to have him back again. I really can't. Uh, as soon as we hung up the phone, I wanted to make plans for him to come back on. Well, he has other plans as well. He, he'll be doing a lot of traveling for the barbecue world. Right, but he will be back on the show. Yes, he will. And we're hoping that we'll get to go to some barbecue places with him. Yes, but without uh, further, uh, I'm trying to say anything but a do. Yes, because I know how you hate that <laughs> word. <laughs> Here is part two of the Sean and Sean Show. Sean Ludwig. Baseball and barbecue. I know everybody has been saying, you promised us Sean Ludwig. You had him on once. You said he'd be on again. Where is he? Well, guess what, guys? Sean Ludwig is back on baseball and barbecue. He is the founder of NYC Barbecue. He is the co-founder of The Smoke Sheet, two phenomenal publications. Sean will give you information on how you can get those. Sean Ludwig, welcome back to Baseball and Barbecue. It's awesome to be back, and uh, I'm just so glad that everyone was clamoring to have me back. <laughs> That's what they were doing. They were clamoring. <laughs> so, Sean, you know, the first time that we met you, we had a, uh, an incredible meal at John Brown's Smokehouse. So we got to interview you in person. This is over the phone, and no barbecues involved. So I'm a little disappointed that we're not eating, but we'll get past that, I guess. Right now, we're in January, cold months, East Coast, you know, most of the country, it's cold, the diehards are still barbecuing, but what's going on right now in the world of barbecue? Well, if you've got to be perfectly honest, the, you know, down south, there's still events that are happening at barbecue, and there's still, you 
few events this last weekend here in Brooklyn uh, called the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival. And have you guys heard of this one? Yes, heard of it. We had a friend who went to it. Tell us about it, though. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah more than, you know, I would say more than a thousand people uh, go, go to this expo center in Brooklyn, and you have uh, barbecue vendors, bourbon vendors, beer vendors, the ticket, you know, if you go to the VIP ticket, you get to show up early and you get to sample barbecue from a ton of different places. If you go later, you're just more sampling be, uh, beer and bourbon and just getting a little bit of barbecue, so that depends on your focus. But it's truly an opportunity to try a bunch of different barbecue places, a lot of different great uh, bourbon and beer vendors as well. Um, a lot of fun. And this is actually the first event where I ever had myself a genuine table. I had a table and I was selling t-shirts and getting to sign up for my newsletter. And it was really fun. I had a really great time. And I really like this venue a lot more than the venue they used in the past. In the past, they were in Manhattan. And they were in this really narrow space called the tunnel. Super long, but super narrow. And in like Chelsea or, you know, like maybe the uh, midtown uh, part of Manhattan on the west side. And really just this this, this event, uh, this last weekend, was the Brooklyn Expo Center, which is really open, really fun. There's a lot of great events that are there. I've gone there many times for the NYC Hot Sauce Expo, which is a lot of fun, but you know, got to be careful with that one. Don't go too wild at the hot sauce, hot sauce expo. Right. Uh, but anyway, the Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn event of the Beer Bourbon Barbecue Festival was a lot of fun. We, I tried a lot of great food. There was Gator from Handsome Devil Barbecue, Beef Ribs from Handsome Devil, and from Red, White, and Q in New Jersey. There was Whole Hog from Arrogant Swan in Brooklyn, and just a ton of great, delicious, uh, delicious meat that were there. So, it was a lot of fun. What does gator taste like? You know what? They say it's like it tastes like chicken. It kind of tastes like chicken. But, I will say, I've had smoked gator, and I've had sort of that fried gator that's kind of, you know, probably frozen and shipped off or whatever, and the smoked version is much better. A little gamey, a little earthy, but I, you know, I think it's actually got a nice flavor to it. It's not overwhelming by any So I think it's more of like something that you would you would try once and you'd be like, oh, that was good, but not like, I need to get this. That said, there, I believe there's a, there's a barbecue place coming to the Boston area soon that's going to have gator regularly on the menu. So that was going to be one to watch because I'd be curious to see if you serve it all the time, how does it change? And what flavor profiles do you, you know, put with it? So, yeah. Now what's, I mean, we have, our listeners are all over the place. We're, of course, situated in New York, and you are as well, but I know you travel. What would be the next big event that we would want to look out for? In terms of, in terms of New York or in terms of traveling uh, around the country? I guess give us, give us one of each. Sure. I think the next big event on, in New York, I would probably point people to the, the Jeff Meichner uh, Barbecue Benefit at Pig Beach on April 18th. Now, last year's version of the event was incredible. It was almost like a mini Big Apple barbecue block party. Tons of people from all over the country. Every bite that you have was delicious. And a lot of that money is going to raise money for good cause. Their pit master, Jeff Meichner, uh, passed away very suddenly in his 30s, which was a few years ago. And the, the, the money that was raised for the event is going to help his family. 
family and going to help a charity. And then this event basically is going to be a yearly event that is going to raise money for charity and bring together a lot of the biggest names in barbecue uh, in Brooklyn at Pig Beach. And so that one, I definitely, that's what's coming up um, in April. That one definitely, if you're in the New York area, definitely should go to that one. Nationally, that's a little harder because, again, I mm. think things start really ramping up in the spring, really. Right. But I will say that in terms of competition barbecue, the next big thing is the Houston Livestock Show. Uh, it's one of the biggest uh, competition barbecue contests in the country, and that one's in late February. So I definitely, if you love competition barbecue and you haven't spent a lot of time in Texas, that one's coming up in February. Down in New Orleans, there's Hogs for the Cause in, in late March. That one's also a really cool event that raises money for, I think it's like children's cancer is usually that they're raising money for. So very good cause. Try to help. Kids with cancer is, is easy. I'm easily going to throw money at that. No problem. You know. Right. So anyway, uh, that event is very cool happening in New Orleans. But again, all in the springtime, a lot of those events, big events are happening in the South. And if you're in New York, there's a big one coming up in April that you definitely are going to want to go. Hey, hey, Sean, I'm looking uh, online. I see something happening in April in Farmingdale, New Jersey, for the All Air BBQ and Brews Festival. Do you know anything about that one? Weirdly enough, that is not on my radar. But I will say that uh, a lot of times these events, they, you know, sometimes it, it'll it'll be like a month before where you'll actually have all the details. So like it might be something where it's on the calendar. They're still figuring things out. But we'll really start to get a real picture of it maybe a month or two out. Then it might end up on my calendar as something where I'd be interested in. Sean, if I'm in New York or the tri-state area, let's say, and I, I'm, it's too cold for me to make barbecue, but I've got a hankering for barbecue, where am I going for uh, the best brisket? Give me a restaurant. Rapid fire on this. You know, brisket. Yeah. Hometown barbecue. I mean, I know that's an easy, I think it's an a, a answer that I, I feel like if you really love, really love brisket, textile brisket hometown in either Red Hook or their industry city location, I think you're going to be very happy with it. Um, another place that's in uh, sort of the New York area that I think is very good brisket is uh, Juicy Lucy Barbecue in Staten Island. Also has very good brisket. I would point people to that as well. And I mean, again, if you, if you gave me a little bit of time to compile this, I'm sure I'd throw a bunch of other things oh, yeah. at you. Well, sure, you'll so be back. You. You'll be back on plenty of times. So. Yeah, but this is yeah. But we're, you're right, and we're just this is rapid fire. You know, I mean, I don't want to give you time to prepare for this. <laughs> ribs. Where you going for ribs? Mothership Meat Company in Long Island City. Their spare ribs. I included them on my. Five best barbecue bites of uh, 2019. For some reason, those salt and pepper, more Texas style, just super smoky, delicious ribs. Well, if I go there, they will be the number one thing that I order. I mean, amongst other things. But uh, yeah, uh, they they are the sister restaurant to John Brown Smokehouse, which you mentioned earlier. Right. We went to John Brown Smokehouse, but Mothership Meat Company is a little bit more of a Texas style. Uh, John Brown Smokehouse is a Kansas City style. So uh, maybe, maybe maybe we need to go to Mothership at some point, and we can all sit down and eat some uh, delicious ribs and nice. try some other great things. Looking forward to that. All right, pulled pork. Where are we going? Pulled pork. This is a, this one. I'm just going to be honest. 
I don't have a good answer for pulled pork. And the, the reason why is I feel like I rarely order pulled pork. I love brisket and beef ribs and pork ribs. But, man, I'll tell you, pulled pork, I just, I don't feel like I can trust, you know, uh, people to deliver on fantastic pulled pork. I've had it before, but it, it, it doesn't speak to me. And maybe it's just that it's just so common. Right. You know what I mean? That yeah. Has this kind of every every restaurant has a pulled pork sandwich right. and every place. But when I'm at a barbecue joint, I want to go for those meatier, harder to make options. But I will say, I mean, I know I've had some good pulled pork. I know I've had good pulled pork at John Brown Smokehouse, for example. Right. And I've had good pulled pork at Hometown. But have I had like mind-blowingly good pulled pork there? Mm, I don't know. Sean, we have to wrap up in a few minutes, but two other things I wanted to get to. For our listeners in New Zealand, I see there's the Meat, meat Stock Music and Barbecue Festival in Auckland, New Zealand. You have on a smoke sheet there. You want to tell us about, a little about that? Yeah, for our listeners in New Zealand, okay. <laughs> well, the Meat, meat Stock is doing, a, is doing dates in New Zealand and Australia, and so they are doing almost kind of a a tour, if you will, and so they have multiple dates that they spread out, and they get a lot of the similar people to go to New Zealand, Australia. I think it looks amazing. I don't think that I'll be going this year, maybe next year, but I love that they're also bringing in people from the United States to do this event as well. So, like, for example, Big Mo Kason is going to be uh, at both of those, and not only in New Zealand, but also in Australia. Uh, which is really cool to have American pitmasters coming there, teaching, making food, just having a really great time. And um, I think if you're, yeah, if you're in New Zealand or Australia, um, probably on the uh, Australia is huge, but if you're on the uh, East Coast of Australia, then you're going to be able to get yourself uh, some fantastic barbecue at meat stock. Yeah, so you mentioned okay, so we met him at. The Monolith Monster Fest, which I know you had something that you had to attend that night, but maybe, uh, hopefully the next Monolith, if it doesn't coincide with that, uh, conflict with that, maybe we could all go together, because Mo Kaysen is there with Bob yeah, Trudnet. Sounds great. Yeah. I, would love to, I would love to. And, you know, he gets around. He's not only on television, but has, you know, his, his business ventures and, and all kinds of stuff, but I think yeah. he's... Like, you know, doing a little bit of everything these days, and um, I think he's just a really fun character. Now, Sean, tell us about, not to end on such a sad note, but uh, your co-founder, Ryan Cooper, tell us about what he's going through a little bit and, and what our listeners can do to contribute. Absolutely. Um, and in a sense, it's a little sad, but it's not too sad. So Ryan was diagnosed with colon cancer, and... He's doing better now. They basically removed whatever they could. Right now, they believe they've got everything. So that's great news. Great. But he has to go through six months of chemo, which is, uh, I've, I've been told, not very fun. Mm. Uh, so unfortunately, yeah, so he's basically going to be stuck, uh, not being able to really travel, not be able to do a lot of things, you know, for the next six months, roughly. So right. um, I believe, you know, the plan is once, you know, he's 100% cleared and not have to do chemo anymore. Maybe later this year he can get back out on the road and go to some of those school events that, you know, he loves going to. Uh, but the community, is, the barbecue community has been so incredible in reaching out to him, 
donating to him, donating to his family, sending, he got a Franklin brisket in the mail, you wow. know, and like some really cool stuff, you know, so he's had, you know, a big smile on his face every time, you know, somebody sends something cool his way. He's been very uh, happy about that. So, I mean, I really feel like this community has really stepped up to the plate for him and really supporting him. If you feel like you want to donate at all, you can just go to uh, facebook.com slash BBQ Tourist Fund. And we have this recovery fund that we've set up. It's like a little PayPal thing where you can go on there and send a few bucks your way if you feel like supporting a really amazing guy who uh, is really tight with all the barbecue community people and somebody that's really at the forefront of documenting uh, barbecue innovation and also, you know, from the very oldest school joints to the newest school joints, you know, he's been to all of them. So it's just sort of an amazing amazing guy. Who's, you know, he's got a young son, and he's just trying to, you know, kind of get by until he's back to 100%. Yeah. No, he, he's we, we had him. We had him on the show, and uh, he just his smile, his laugh, it's infectious. So, and and that was over the phone. So I can only imagine meeting him yeah. in person and being friends with him. Now, as far yeah, as he's got a lot of a lot of joy in him. You know, Ryan's yeah. got yeah, a lot of joy, and he's got a lot to live for, and he's got like amazing people all around him. And we gotta you know do our best to support him, and as a barbecue community. You know, you've met probably, you know, a bunch of amazing people, and yeah. we all come together to help each other out. Yeah. Um, and can you imagine how the fates were that you and he met on a line at a barbecue place and the friendship that you guys have formed? It's, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. And the thing is that we're standing next to each other in line at Snow's Barbecue, which is the, you know, ranked by Texas Monthly as the number one in Texas. And we have, uh, you know, so many connections. We both grew up in the same uh, city, Kansas City. Uh, we both went to the University of Missouri at different times. We went to the same university. Um, and then we both loved barbecue and stood next to each other in line, just happy to put all these things together and then both realizing that, you know, we have so many connections. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just so happy that we met in that line because otherwise, who knows where this would all be if we hadn't met in line. Right. And tell us, get tell us, tell our listeners how to get NYC Barbecue, the Smoke Sheet, two fantastic uh, publications. Absolutely, um, you know, NYC BBQ is very simple. NYCBBQ.com. If you want to sign up the newsletter, NYCBBQ.com/slash/newsletter. And I do a weekly newsletter where I recap basically all the best stuff happening in the tri-state area. And I do my best to include you guys, you know, Long Island, too, you know, is included as well. There's not that many events in Long Island, but I promise you, if you guys see everything cool, I'm going to include it in my newsletter. So anyway, uh, nycbbq.com slash newsletter or on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter. Uh, the smoke sheet uh, comes out every Wednesday morning, and we're talking about things all over the, the best barbecue all over the country, and you, as you alluded to, sometimes the world. We just included uh, Canadian barbecue joints in our last uh, in our last newsletter as well. So that was really exciting. But for the smoke sheet, it's very simple. You go to bbqnewsletter.com uh, to sign up. But we're also um, at the smoke sheet on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And we have lots of conversations on all those platforms. And we'd love for you to join that conversation. Tell us about all the best barbecue you're seeing. Uh, tell me about the best barbecue you're seeing in the Northeast. I love writing about it. I love discovering it and trying it. So, you know, just this is a community and we want to 
listeners, this is these are free publications. You get one in your your email every Wednesday, the other one every Friday. And if you're a fan of barbecue and you don't subscribe to this, I can't. I don't even know. Then don't listen to this podcast because you're insane. It's they're incredible. Jeff's like Jeff. Jeff's got his hands up. He's like, don't tell people that. But I'm serious. How do you not subscribe to this? I love. I look forward to Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings getting these. I look forward to it. I love reading them. So I, I just got to tell you. We really appreciate hearing that. And we, we actually hear that sentiment a lot. We hear people like, oh, I'm waiting for it on Wednesday morning so I can read like the latest updates of the barbecue world and then they get, here's a cool feature, here's all the big events that are coming up. And basically, you know, we want to just include everyone who's doing interesting things at barbecue. We want to include them and tell their story. Yeah, it's, it's real. Anybody who, who had any questions about you know, the barbecue community is small, and yet it's all over the place. And this is just a great way to get the news, get the information. I get asked all the time, oh, where where do you think I could go for this food or that food? Like I asked you. People are always asking. It's in your publication. Recipes. They're in the publication. I mean, everything is there. Okay? And this is not a paid ad. I'm telling you guys, you're missing out if you don't get this. We could make it pay there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could. We'll, we'll record that snippet and then we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> Sean, we thank you so much for coming on with us. We wish you the best. We wish Ryan a very speedy recovery. And again, we look forward to the next time that you join us on Baseball and Barbecue. Thank you so much. Well, Len and Jeff, I really appreciate it. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you again to Sean Ludwig. Again, I can't wait until he comes back on. Can't wait to do the barbecue tour with him. What a great guy. Yes. Very, very, very glad he came on with us. We wish Ryan Cooper all the best. And with that, Jeff, you have any parting words? Well, baseball is right around the corner. Spring training starts up in a couple of weeks. And by the way, I will be going to a couple of spring training sites in Arizona in, in February. Thank you for uh, pointing out the fact that I won't be going. Well, you don't have a son going to ASU. That that very good point. Yes, so yeah, I'll be visiting my son goes to Arizona State University, who is actually a student manager on the baseball team. Uh, not doesn't play for the team, but he's a student manager. He's such a proud papa. I am, and I never had the chance to go to spring training. I always wanted to go to Florida to see the Mets, but since I'll be in Arizona, I'm going to check out the Arizona spring trainings, the Cactus League. That should be a lot of fun, and we want to hear all about it, and maybe you could even get us a couple of interviews with some people. i definitely try. And with that, that's all for now. I'm Jeff. And I'm Len. And we're going we're gonna to take you out with a clip from our YouTube page when we went to Foley's, and you can check it out on our YouTube page, like I said, Baseball and BBQ. Baseball and Barbecue, we are at Foley's, Foley's famous pub and restaurant in Manhattan, across from the Empire State Building, this is supposed to be the number one baseball bar in the city. And, uh, wow. Looks pretty cool. We're going to be interviewing the owner, Sean Clancy. So stay with us, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the ride. <laughs>